Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you're blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church or its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to connect.redchurch.org.au. Hey, Red Church, so great to be back preaching. It's a new year and been really looking forward to gathering and sitting with you all in this space. January is almost over. We're about to head into Feb. Can't believe it. Everything's going to start up. And I don't know about you, but the start of the year usually brings this sense of anticipation of what's next, what could be happening this year. But I have to say, I've actually found January really tough. It feels like we are in the same place we were in 2020. Although we may have planned things and looked ahead, there's been a lot of things that have happened in the last month that makes it feel like we're back where we started. We've been chatting to different people from interstate and overseas. And it's really interesting to hear them say what they've observed of Melbournians is although we're on summer break, although we've had this time to rest, we actually look very weary. There's a sense that we are tired. And not only that, a sense in which we feel defeated in planning again, in working things out. There's a temptation to feel really disheartened in this time. And as I was pondering this, as I was sitting in this, I was having conversations, hearing this from different people, this image came to me. For what it kind of feels like and how we've responded in different ways, it's like we're in the same room We are year three of living with COVID. And it's like we've been sitting in this room and just rearranging the furniture to try and make it feel fresh, adapt to different restrictions again and again. Our hands are busy trying to rework things to make it feel different, but it's still the same room. Some of us find ourselves in this room and we're just done. We're done with rearranging, trying to organize things, trying to plan, and actually our hands are dropped by our sides in defeat. And finally, there are some of us who just feel like they're on edge all the time. It's been such a long time and we hold our hands up in defense, in fists, awaiting for the next change, not knowing what's going to come through the door and enter this room. This is what it feels like almost in this time. And I know I have found that. I have felt disheartened and I realize this isn't just in my life, actually, I notice it slipping into my faith. My challenge over this summer break has been wrestling with a desire to see breakthrough in some of the relationships in my life. The stress of change over summer made me fall back into old patterns of anxiety and fear and my choice, or the way I've chosen to do with it, is to rearrange, to control. Okay, Britt, what can you be doing better? How much more time can you spend with God? Move it around again and again. But it hasn't solved it. And no matter how you have arrived today, no matter what it looks like for you, maybe you're feeling really stuck in your job, another year of interruptions with work. Perhaps you're in desperate need of financial provision because of what has happened through COVID. Maybe you are seeking healing from sickness or you're just longing for breakthrough in your family. No matter where you are today, the temptation is to go to these defaults, 
to control, to stay in defense, or to just sit in disbelief and believe it won't change, that the cycle will just continue on. Maybe you're here today and you haven't met Jesus yet. Maybe you're feeling weary from trying to keep your hands up, trying to protect your life and work out what to do next. Maybe if you're a follower of Jesus, you're stuck in that cycle of believing change won't come. That although you read about this change in the Gospels, that's not going to happen in your life. Or maybe, like me, you tend towards works. How can I fix this? Your hands are full of tools from rearranging. But if you read in the Gospels, you'll see that there are many interruptions. COVID is an interruption. As I said, year three. But it's not actually the problem here. It's just exacerbated things, really. In the Gospels, there are interruptions throughout it. We see goals stopped, kingdom desires actually happen in these places of interruption. Not in well-planned things, not in organized lives. People are going along their way and something stops them. Whether it's persecution or prison or suffering or a storm, we read about this as we follow Jesus. And it's those disruptions that actually transform them and how they see the world. In the Gospels, you see that Jesus is a part and present in these disruptions. That he comes towards people in their brokenness. He comes towards us in our brokenness. As followers, he's not afraid of what we are afraid of. There's nothing too big for him, nothing he hasn't seen. He knows you, he made you. He knows every part of you and he comes towards you in your brokenness, in your defense, in your weariness, and in your desire to bring that change on your own. He comes towards us. And we read about this. We see it in the Gospels. If you look at John, the Gospel of John is a wonderful place to start if it's the first time reading the Bible. There's stories of these encounters In John 3, we see Jesus coming towards Nicodemus. He is a man, a Pharisee, a teacher of the law. He knows the ins and outs of the Torah, and he's desperate to see change. He's desperate to see the promises of God fulfilled, and he believes that he just needs to do the right thing. He's been brought up with the law and just thinks, if I just do it the right way, Jesus comes to him in that. He meets them in the dark. And he shows him a different way. He comes to Nicodemus in that broken part and says to him, I am the answer. Not your ways. Things are coming that will be different. The Holy Spirit is going to come. Jesus comes to Nicodemus in his brokenness. In John 4, there's another story. A woman at the well. The Samaritan woman. Jesus goes out and meets her. This woman is disregarded and disrespected by society. Because of what she has done in her past. She's had multiple husbands. And the man that she is with is not her husband currently. And so she is rejected by society. Jesus intentionally waits at the well to meet her. He comes to her in her brokenness. A woman who is not seen by others, who is put down. And he looks at her. He sees her and he speaks to her brokenness. 
and says, pull your defenses down. You don't have to defend your life anymore. Wait for the jeering of others who reject you or push you aside. I've come. I see you and I want to enter into that brokenness and bring new life. And finally, in John 5, we meet a man who is sitting by a pool in Jerusalem. This pool has healing powers. If you can just get in, you may be healed of anything. This man has been paralyzed for 38 years. But every time the pool is stirred, he has no one to help him in. And he has lost hope. He has seen many people around him healed, but he has not received that. And he lies there limp, weary. Jesus enters that pool and he finds him. He comes to him in the midst of his brokenness and says, do you want to be well? Believe in who I am. Believe that I can do this for you. Jesus comes towards us in our brokenness, just as he did in the Gospels. He does it now. And it wasn't the circumstances they're in. It wasn't Nicodemus's good works and his knowledge of the Bible. It wasn't the woman's defenses or um, intellect. She argues a lot with Jesus. And it wasn't this man's ability to get into a pool that changed things. It was Jesus, his presence, his invitation. It's the same Jesus that comes towards you and I in our brokenness. So what if this year Jesus has a new opportunity for us? He has something for us. What if he's inviting us to come to him in our brokenness? What if he's offering something to you that you haven't experienced yet? Where do you start? What does that look like? How do you come towards Jesus? Well, as I said, there's a temptation to do it on our own. And at this time of year, there's been a lot of discussion about New Year's resolutions. It happens all the time. And actually, I think they're quite good. They're really helpful to have goals, to look forward into, you know, what this year looks like, to bring change. But as I thought about it more, I realized that New Year's resolutions are actually quite negative or they come from a negative space. It's often, oh, I actually want to improve this in my life. Um, this is something wrong with me that I need to fix. They also kind of make us forget the past. doesn't matter what's happened. This year is going to be different. I'm going to put this forward. And it's, oh my gosh, it's so Western. Here's a goal. We're going to reach it. We're going to work towards it. It's going to be great. And I'm completely in control. But actually, as followers of Jesus, this is not how we live our lives. We're not designed to forget our past. In fact, we're designed to remember it because in the past, God's been faithful to remember the story that we find in the Bible, but also the story of our lives and where we've seen God move because that informs our present and also gives us a vision for the future. So instead of a New Year's resolution when we start with a negative, let's flip it. How about we start with something positive, something that you already have as a follower of Jesus. And if you're yet to meet him, this is what comes before you. This is what is offered as he comes to you. What if in this time of year we begin with the promise and the realisation that we have received grace? What if the purpose for your life which inevitably comes up at this time of year. And, you know, New Year's resolutions kind of dance around it as we think about where we're headed. What if 
the opportunity is to welcome Jesus as he comes to you right where you are in your brokenness and receive the grace that he brings that is made possible because he died for you and that he lives again and wants to bring new life just as he did in the Gospels. As I've been pondering this, I was listening to a podcast and um, the, the pastor I was listening to said this and it really struck me. He said, I've received grace. And what does it mean to give expression to that grace? What if actually that's the call on our lives? That in its simplest form, we receive God's grace and we are designed to respond to it. That's it. When it comes down to it, as followers of Jesus, that is what we're called to do. Perhaps it feels too simple. But there's so much richness in this. When you look at it, when you sit with it, when you understand it, when you grow in it. We live in a complex world and goodness, we know complexity. The last three years, two to three years has made that apparent to us. And I know that as you sit there, I know I feel it in myself, there are things going on. There's pain, grief, there's loss, there's frustration. That is my reality just as much as it is yours. But actually, opportunity is to come back to these simple truths. This isn't a new thing. This is actually an ancient truth that brings clarity generation after generation. No matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, humanity will come back to this beautiful gift that is Jesus coming towards us and offering grace and love. We need to pay attention. We need to pay attention to what's going on, to recognize our brokenness so we can bring it before Jesus, to not default to the things that we go to when we feel stuck, when this pain or loss comes up from the years past. We know what these are. Maybe it's doom scrolling the newsfeed for you, or it's pouring another glass of wine, or swiping through Hinge, or clicking next episode on Netflix, placing another order online. There are so many ways that we avoid this and band-aid it or distract ourselves. But actually the invitation is to pay attention to it and recognize that Jesus wants to meet you in that. He's coming towards us in our brokenness. And remember, he knows the ins and outs of us. We do not need to hide anything from him. He loves us, he created us, and he wants life. Peter Cesaro said that the central truth of Christianity is that Jesus died a real death on the cross and rose from the dead. He is risen. This is what enables us to affirm that our losses and endings are gateways to new beginnings. This is what enables us to affirm that our losses and endings are gateways to new beginnings. When we pay attention to these places in us, no longer holding on to different things, fists up in defense when we drop them and open them up. When we put down our tools and desires to just continually rearrange, or when we bring our hands up, 
open to receive after feeling weary. That is the gateway of a new beginning because that is when you let Jesus in and his resurrection represents that. Where we can only see death, he sees life. He has lived that, he has done that. This is an ongoing process of following Jesus. This is a way of discipleship to allow him to do this, to come back to it over and over again. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, that it started when God said, light up the darkness. And our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood that God in the face of Christ, understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. If you look only at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't been broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us. He lives. Our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. While we're going through the worst, you're getting in on the best. When I was preparing for this sermon to preach, I felt God draw me to this passage and it landed really deeply. When I read those words, the beauty of that, that imagery that we are these frail pots, these clay pots that are broken, but he chooses to come towards us in our brokenness. I felt God say that to me and to remind us that that is what he does. This precious message, he desires this light, this life, this gift, grace, to place it in these unadorned clays of our ordinary lives, of the ordinary life that you lead and I lead. In this year, in 2022, in your brokenness and in wrestling, he's choosing to place and offer this gift within your life. Later on, Paul, who writes 2 Corinthians, says, when he cries out to God in his pain, in his brokenness, God replies to him and says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Although we find ourselves potentially feeling like there is this weakness, that we've come to the end of ourselves, do you know what? We're not alone. If you read the biblical narrative, that's often what happens. Humanity gets to this point and cries out to God and he responds. He comes towards us. As it said in verse 6, that light shine in the darkness. He offers that light. Do you know the other time that God said that? The beginning of creation. When he brought light into the world. And he's saying it again now in new creation. If you are yet to meet Jesus, 
when you come towards him, when you accept him as Savior and Lord and choose to walk away from the life that you have led to follow his way, it's like God says those words again in you. You're a new creation. Let there be light and life. As followers of Jesus, that is what he says to us. And what's the result of this? In verse 10 and 12, it says we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. It doesn't mean life's going to be easy. Where we are is a representation of that. It's not always going to be an easy life. So we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. Just as he did with the disciples, when he rose, he came back to them. He showed them the wounds in his hands, cut in his side. And he calls us to do the same. We are going to be broken. We will have wounds and cuts, but we are designed to show them to the world, to show the way that Jesus has brought healing in those places. As it said in verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not for us. Because the truth is, we are hard-pressed, but we're not crushed. Although we feel perplexed, we're not in despair. We may be persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We may be struck down, but we're not destroyed. And we believe this because Jesus said to us in John 16, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That is what those buts are. That is how we can be confident that although we find ourselves in these places, Jesus has overcome all things. Our losses are real. The things we're going through, real. But you know what else? So is the resurrection power of God that lives within you, that light and that life that transforms those losses to bring God's kingdom and life. So will you let him come to you in your brokenness, right where you are, right here now in the ordinariness that is our lives as we enter into February, into 2022? What does it look like to come back to that simple truth, to receive God's grace and to respond to that grace? to open up your hands, to raise them if you're weary, in belief, bring them up. God, I trust you. To drop your tools of rearranging or reorganizing and doing it in your own strength and to open your hands from your clenched fist and let Jesus come in. You don't have to defend your life anymore. That's his job. And so as we enter a new year, don't have a plan of what's ahead. But I have one question or one opportunity I want to ask of you. What does it look like for you to daily receive that truth? Let's get practical. To think of one spiritual practice that puts you before Jesus, that opens up your hands. And maybe even in your time with God, whatever that looks like during your day, it's actually sitting with your hands open and saying, God, I receive your grace. And I desire to learn how to continue to respond to it and let others see that. 
that in my weakness that you are strong. Let's put these simple truths into our lives. Let's let the power of grace transform our lives and let it go with us into the places we will go in this year, to the rhythms, to the relationships, to the commitments that we have. Choosing something today, as simple as that, is going to have a significant impact. Right where you are, let him come into your brokenness. Receive that healing and respond to that beautiful gift and let's take it out into a world that desperately needs it.